Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? As I'm recording this, it's pouring rain today in Boulder, Colorado, where I am. I don't know about Atlanta, Shyla. Our guest is Shyla Nieves-Bernie, joining us today from Zane, BC. Super excited to get the chance to talk to you and learn more about what you're up to. Thanks, David. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. We're involved with what you're doing on a couple different levels. Obviously, we work with lots of venture funds and love to have those relationships. But also through the Techstars Foundation, we've gotten a bit involved with your Zane Access program. So why don't you start by just helping people understand a bit about you and your background and how that led you to Zane? Sure. So I've spent about 20 plus years addressing inequities by investing in human capital through programs and services for large institutions and educational systems. And so in 2018, I pivoted to full-time entrepreneurship. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, but never knew full-time entrepreneurship was for me. And so started a company called the Bernie Experience, where I was supporting small businesses and nonprofits with organizational support and project management. Three months in, I was offered the opportunity to source investors for a startup. And so that's what got me here in this place. So I did that for about seven months and met a lot of incredible entrepreneurs along the way and found out how hard it was really to access networks and capital. And so decided, why don't I pursue raising a fund and did that in 2019 when we launched our fund. And that's Zine BC, which is, a, if I'm not mistaken, $25 million first fund. Is that right? Right. We're a $25 million first fund. And you've made a few investments. Maybe tell us about a couple of those. Sure. So we've made two investments so far. One is a company out of the Research Triangle, which is in the North Carolina area. Young woman who founded a company called Own. She was looking to really solve around the stove, innovating around the stove with a smart knob because her mother kept leaving the stove on, almost burning the house down. Right. So that was her first device. And then she decided to pivot and innovate around the entire kitchen. And the company is doing extremely well. The other company is called Parrot. It was Parrot Mob. It just did a rebrand. Parrot is a payment by techs for big brands who are launching a particular item and want to get it right to their consumers. And so there's a fintech play. That company was introduced to us by Tope Awatana from Calendly. So really excited to be working with this entrepreneur. He rolled out of uh, MailChimp actually after finding a pain point within MailChimp and decided to create a company that he assumed others may have an issue with. Yeah, a lot of people don't know necessarily MailChimp is an Atlanta company and Atlanta's really got a lot going on. It's cool to see another fund that's growing up there and doing good things. But you mentioned earlier that it's one thing to have capital, but it's another thing to know how to access VCs or those networks or mentors. So you've also got another part of what you do, which is the access program. Could you explain a little bit about that? 
Sure. So Access actually started before the fund because after sourcing investors and meeting incredible entrepreneurs and hearing their stories, I knew that they weren't really ready to access venture capital. And so I decided, well, why don't I do programming to bring venture capitalists or other capital providers to a forum sort of situation and we can just talk about how to access this information and knowledge. And so after we did that for about a year and realized that we had something special because we got so many entrepreneurs who attended these events in over a three-month period. And so we decided after launching the fund that we would continue doing that and created a capital readiness program, mainly to get entrepreneurs sort of learning the acumen, learning the language, introducing them to potential investors, thereby creating a network effect for them. And so Zanax has been extremely important. We've graduated 37 entrepreneurs so far, and those entrepreneurs have gone on to raise significant capital. And so we've proven out that model and looking to scale it a bit more for 2022. It's so, so important, that work that you're doing, because if you haven't lived in that world, you haven't heard that lingo, right? You don't know anybody in that world. How in the world are you expected to go and access it? I was giving a talk to another group. It happened to be, I don't know, 30, 40, mostly black entrepreneurs. And I was talking about pre-money and post-money valuation. And I was just like, yeah, it's, you know, eight pre, you know, 10 post, you know, raising two million, just using the lingo, you know, and someone stopped me, thankfully, and said, could you explain? I don't really understand what you mean by that. And I'm so used to just being in that world and using that lingo. I didn't realize that that maybe excludes somebody who just doesn't know what that means or what the background is. It's not a deficiency. They've just never been exposed to it before. Is that the kind of thing that, that Access is teaching is the language, the, how to get into the networks, what the vocabulary is, or is it broader than that? No, it's exactly that. We understand that there's a knowledge gap to your point about folks not knowing what pre and post money value is. And we hear, you know, there's VC Twitter where folks are like, I want VC money and I should be VC backable. And it's like, well, let us educate you around what that means. So we teach the technical skills, accessing venture capital, some of the terminology, what did it mean to be a cap table and how do you look at your cap table and ensure that you are balanced and, and that sort of stuff. So we bring in the experts who do this on a daily basis. So whatever that knowledge gap that they provided to these entrepreneurs, and we are wowed by the entrepreneurs who said they had no idea that this is something they should be paying attention to. And so we talk about the legal aspects of running a business, making sure that your IP is protected, that sort of stuff. We even did a session on SPACs this year because SPACs were really hot. And just in case there was someone in our core who was looking to do that at any time soon. So this is what we call it internally. If venture deals had been written from a Black woman's perspective, And so we take that knowledge that has been given by the writers of venture deals and sort of bring that to the forefront to investors. Brad, of course, has spoken to both of our cohorts and brings a whole lot of knowledge and, of course, his network. And so they get a lot of exposure beyond the education. They get this exposure to this network that I mentioned, because that's really hard to get an entree in as well if you don't know anybody. And so we also talk about the soft skills of fundraising as well, right? There are going to be some questions that you probably don't get when you get into a room. There may be some biases in the room. And how do you sort of combat that and stay on focus on the reason why you're there and that's pitching your company? And so we talk about a lot of those things that some diverse entrepreneurs may encounter or may not. But the preparation part is extremely important. Love it. One famous example of that that I'm familiar with is that women tend to get asked questions about the downside and the risk, and men tend to get asked questions about how big it could be. And you have to learn how to flip that around, right? So there's lots of things like that. Absolutely. So 37 entrepreneurs have been through that. Is that a physically based program in Atlanta? We're virtual. And, you know, beginning it was going to be in person. We would do it here in Atlanta and it would be all that great. But then COVID hit right when we were planning. So we went directly to virtual, but it's been sort of 
incredible because we get to have founders from across the country. We don't have to just focus on Atlanta or the Southeast. We've had founders from California, Minnesota, just across the country. And that's exciting for us because we get to see some of the talent that are in other ecosystems. And so it's virtual and it will continue to be virtual. How do you scale it? One of the reasons we like to get involved with things is we see the opportunity from the Techstars Foundation point of view that something you're doing is really scalable and we want to try to help with that. What's the ambition around bringing that to more and more people around the country, around the world? Sure. So we want to do more. We've been doing one a year and that's been great. But after this cohort, we had a waiting, we still have a waiting list of almost 50 people already. And so we realize that we can probably serve more entrepreneurs if we have more of these cohorts per year. So next year, we're going to ramp it up to two. We definitely want to have a more focus on student entrepreneurs. We realize we sit in the Southeast where so many students are creating companies while they're in college. And so we want to tap into that. It'll be sort of a lighter version, but then welcome them back once they get through the sort of lighter version to the other version of the cohort program. And so for us, scaling looks like having more participation and not less. We ramped it up this year. We had 22 companies. The first year we had 15 companies. And so we just look to add more. It has become sort of a signature program, very well recognized by the city here in Atlanta. But while we're here in Atlanta, we found that need beyond Atlanta, um, again, across the U.S. We've been had some folks who have applied globally to participate in the program. We've had to turn them down, but we want to see how we can sort of manage that in the future. If people like what you're up to, they want to get involved, whether it's in the access side or somehow with the fund, what's the best way for them to do that? What are you looking for? What do you need today? Sure. So while there's a program fee, we have not wanted to raise or increase the fee because we don't want that to be a barrier to entry. Um, We've had our first cohort and about half the cohort, they couldn't afford the program. And so we were able to get scholarships from some folks like Brad. And then we had the same in in the second cohort when we were able to not increase it. We kept the cost down and we were able to give some scholarships. And so we're hoping that we can at one point not have to charge for the program, that we have enough folks who are willing to kind of help support it through different ways, financially mainly. In terms of mentors, we're always looking for mentors for our programs. We feel like while we give them some knowledge, having a mentor assigned to them during the course of the program and then sometimes after the program is extremely important because that mentor will have a bit more insight to the day-to-day of how the company is ran and how they can really help a founder be successful. So we're definitely looking for mentors who could come and kind of walk alongside our entrepreneurs as they go through our program and hopefully beyond that. Awesome. And they can just reach out. I think it's Zane.vc, right? Zane.vc. And then for Zane Access, it's accesszane.org. We'll put the links in the show notes as well. So you also have this innovation weekend concept. What's that all about? Is that something you're planning on scaling as well? I am. So when I was visiting over at Georgia Tech, I was speaking to a group of students and they all rushed me after and said, well, we need programs for us. And Georgia Tech has great programs, but they have limited seating. And so 400 students applied for a program and only 40 got in. I went, what happens to the 360? And so my goal was like, we don't want to replicate university programs. We want to work in partnership and collaboration with universities. And so Zane Access Innovation Weekend is our opportunity to highlight student entrepreneurship. And so we're going to be working with Emory University. They have their Hack ATL every year. And so we're going to be partnering with them on that. They are looking to bring more diversity in their hackathon. There are over 2,200 students that participate every year, but they've noticed that, you know, in terms of Black and Latinx students, they typically don't get a lot of those students. And so they wanted us to partner with them to help them get some students to participate. We've gone a bit further and thought, you know, NASA has programs for minority serving institutions. 
sponsored education opportunities, SEO out of New York. They have opportunities not only with students getting into Fortune 500 companies around a finance program, but then they also work with venture funds. And so they're trying to attract students to come and hear about these opportunities for venture funds. So it is squarely focused on diverse students and diverse student entrepreneurs. And so we're hoping next year we can do a bit more with the AUC, which is Morehouse, Spelman, and Clark Atlanta here, and then some other universities across the country. We started with Brown University, who we did our first event with, and we had over 300 student entrepreneurs show up at our event. And that showed us we had something that students were interested in. So this year is more of a, instead of a one-time event, we're doing a weekend event. Again, with Emory, we're going to do a founders and funders event so that that investors can meet directly with entrepreneurs. And so we see this scaling and bringing on more partners in universities over the next few years. Amazing. It's a little painful to me personally, Charlotte, because you're just rattling off all these universities that rejected me, like Georgia Tech <laughs> and Emory. Uh, if they're listening, I could not get in. To, I love those schools. And Atlanta has some amazing schools and it's an amazing community. And there's a lot going on there. Of course, we're running you know, our accelerators there as well. And I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you, besides capital, when you encounter these founders that are looking for connections, what are some things you've seen that people are doing really well that's really helpful to more diverse founders that are trying to build companies and change the world? We have had incredible mentors. I'm even surprised when I get a note from them that they're, saying they're still working with our cohort one companies, right? Companies that have graduated almost a year ago, but these mentors have found these entrepreneurs some folks they want to work with and help them build their companies. And so I think our mentors have been extremely important for our programming. And then the other part is that they get to meet so many incredible investors. So they get to be in that investor's network. Now, the investor may not invest in their company, but they open up their network to say, hey, if you have something that you want me to look at, email me, put Zane in the subject line, and then I will respond to you. And so to have that happen from just about every investor we have, I mean, it gives them a new network of folks that they, they didn't even know existed outside of reading about them in some sort of magazine or something. And so that's been incredible to give them a wider network beyond saying that they can continue to work with. Those two things I think are extremely important. Totally. The number of times that I've gotten an email, somebody says, will you fund me? And I said, not how we do it, or it's not a fit for a thesis or whatever, but I know this person. Or, you know, why don't I send it over here? And it ends up being a customer not necessarily an investor or, or someone who gives them another piece of insight or another connection. So it's all about that network, right? And it's nice to see, from my perspective, at least the country coming together a little bit and saying, I want to help with this in some way, even if that's a small way. I feel that. I think everybody's feeling that right now. And it, it feels different. I know there's a long way to go, but hopefully we're making progress on it. We're definitely making progress. I mean, I've always leveraged my network no matter what I was doing. And so I'm trying to educate these entrepreneurs to do the same. You know, if someone says, hey, here's my email, reach out to me and you never do, that's a problem. You know, you can't blame the other person. You really have to take the time and be deliberate about reaching out to folks because folks are willing to help. They are definitely willing to help. I want to understand how the pieces of what you're doing kind of fit together, right? I mean, there's a venture capital fund. Obviously, you have limited partners. They're in it to get the rewards of backing diverse founders. We all know those teams perform better than non-diverse teams. There's economic reasons to do it. So that's a for-profit activity. That's something that's there to make money, but also do good while it makes money. And then you have things like Access or the Innovation Weekends, which feel like they probably have some expense profile. As you said, you're getting sponsors and things. But how do these things work together? Is there a nonprofit piece coupled with the for-profit piece? 
So Zane Venture Fund, of course, is for profit. We're looking to have great returns for our LPs. And then Zane Venture Fund, we're looking to have great returns in the community while also having a particular sourcing opportunity with the companies that come through Zane Access. We are definitely looking at as potential deal flow. And then Zane Access, the student entrepreneurship is really to be able to give these students early information. They're still thinking, ideating around what they want to do. And we want to be a resource for them, letting them know that there is an ecosystem that was sort of designed for them and that they don't feel like they're alone in building whatever they're building. And so they all work together in the sense that we're trying to level the playing field for diverse entrepreneurs, making sure they're educated and informed. But for Zane Access, it is strictly about giving back to the community, giving to entrepreneurs, making sure that, like the name of this, that we give first, we give more than we take. And so as much as we can kind of elevate entrepreneurs, I think it, it makes it better for us. We were in TechCrunch and they said we were de-risking investments for other investors. And that's exactly what we're doing. When we educate these entrepreneurs and they are sitting before you, there is no, oh, I don't know what this means. They've gotten that. They've been armed with that knowledge. So they should have a great conversation with a potential investor. Awesome. So someone can get involved with the venture fund, you know, deal flow or potentially even future LP. I know you can't say that, but I can. I'm not (laughs) SEC. It's me saying it, not not Shyla. Yeah, David. (laughs) Right. But. They can also get involved and support what's happening with Access and help scale out or sponsor things there. So, so many different ways to get involved. That's exciting. Many different ways to get involved. And we are always, again, looking for mentors, even on the fun side, when we bring in entrepreneurs who, you know, we have one company that's looking for a chip. Who do I know in my network that could help her with a global problem around chips? And so we're definitely looking for that on the fun side, but it's extremely important on the Zane Access side. It's about a community of folks surrounding these entrepreneurs, giving them sort of a 360 approach to entrepreneurship. So Shyla, nobody gives first like mentors. You mentioned mentors. Who have been some of your personal mentors and how have they sort of been helpful to you? Sure. So one of the folks, of course, is Brad Feld, who I spent a few hours with talking about our fund. The other person that I want to mention is Tope Awatana from Calendly. He's one of our newly minted unicorns here. And Tope has been really supportive of our work. Not only is he an LP in the fund, but he decided to go a step further and support the entrepreneurs within Zane Access. His mantra is that he didn't want other entrepreneurs to go through what he had to, right? It was lonely. You know, there was not a lot of help. And so he was more heads down with his business and he just wished there were programs like Zane Access that were available to him when he was scaling this company. So really happy about him taking us under his wings to sort of help us out. And so really like him and, and how his, his approach to everything that he does. And so I have sent him emails when I felt a little like, well, we're doing this. And he is always, he understands he's been in those shoes and to have someone like that in my network has been extremely important. Yeah, sometimes you just run into people that it's just sort of mind boggling how much they give, not not just financially, but of their time and their energy and their mind share. And Techstars would never have started without similar people. You know, you mentioned Brad. There's many, many people that sort of, wow, you're wondering, why are you spending so much time on this? Like, I get that you you love it, but it's above and beyond in an extreme way. And they're literally asking for nothing in return, right? But the beauty of it is they'll, they'll get something someday right out of that someday, network. For sure. sure, for sure. But funny story. So I met Tope in 2018, I mean, 2019, and I asked him, could I invest in his company? And he said no, that he was too busy. He was heads down focusing on his company. He was not talking to any investors. And so I totally respect an entrepreneur like that, where it's the business at hand that they're focused on and not so much just talking for the sake of talking. So just want to throw that little bit out there too. Awesome. We always try to wrap up with a little thing we call rapid fire. Just looking for kind of quick answers. If you don't have one, you can pass. It's all good. 
people learn a lot from this little quick segment at the end. Is there a book you think everyone in entrepreneurship or venture should check out and read? Venture deals. <laughs> I tell people who are looking to raise funds, you read the business of venture capital. And if you're looking to raise funds, then you read venture deals. That's typically what I offer to folks. There are a lot of other books out there where these are the ones that we consider to be our Bibles for the work we're doing. Venture deals by some jokers named Brad Feld and Jason Wilson, <laughs> if you've never heard of them. How about a place that you think every entrepreneur should go and visit and check out, whether it's just because it's an amazing getaway or because they can learn something from that community? Well, if we're talking about a local space, I would say the gathering spot here in Atlanta. Every entrepreneur that comes through, I'm always saying, go there first, meet the creatives who are there, meet some of the folks who are creating culture here in Atlanta. And then there's still a lot of other entrepreneurships. But in terms of vacation, I am a big fan of Martha's Vineyard. I love going to Cape Cod and that part of the country. It's just very serene, and it it just makes me feel really good when I go there. Otherwise, hit a a beach in North Florida for a quick getaway. That's also pretty nice. Awesome. You're talking to a Florida kid, so it's my (laughs) my part of the world. How about this idea? If you could have dinner with anybody, it doesn't matter who, someone you've admired or or want to sit down with, I can give you a couple people. Who would be at that dinner table? It's a tie between Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama. I adore both of those women. I have followed them and even considered naming the fun after them at one point, Um, but decided on naming it after the fun is named after my daughter. So we landed on that. But I would love to have dinner with either one of those women. That would be quite a table. I would love to be able to bring the water or something and eavesdrop (laughs) on that conversation. You have high aspirations. I like that. I don't know if they're going to listen to this show. Sometimes we have that happen. Someone listening. That would be awesome. We'll have dinner. I don't know. I'm not going to overpromise here on that one. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thanks for joining us and everything you're doing for the community in the whole country, obviously focused on Atlanta, you know, based in Atlanta, but you're doing a lot and you're trying to scale it. And that's really important. It's an important topic. And we're very happy to be involved in a small way through the Techstars Foundation and look forward to co-investing with Zane VC as we go forward. Thanks for the time. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks for having me again. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.